Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The next day you went out with the Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, hey man, Recorded why are you hitting live. your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh-oh, just because you hide something in the sand doesn't mean it went away. <laughs> Bears repeating, just because you covered something up in the sand doesn't mean it won't come back up. Because the thing that Moses did, nobody else saw it, so he thought. But, but then his past catches up with him rather quickly. And it says that when he heard this, Moses was afraid. And, and he thought, what I did must have become known. Now he's exposed. And so Pharaoh hears of this, and he tries to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. And he ends up on the run for 40 years because of a mismanaged passion. See, what Moses felt, follow me, was a good passion. He saw one of his people being taken advantage of, and God had put a passion in Moses. Moses was called to deliver the Hebrew people out of Egyptian slavery. So he sees this going down, and he thinks, this isn't right, and it lights a fire inside of him. And so Moses just goes off. But, but, but it's one thing to have the right passion. It's another thing to act on it in the right way. Did you know you can have the right passion, but have the wrong expression of the right passion, and it'll create a terrible result in your life? I can't get any help in this sermon, man. Let me ask it another way. Did you know that the, the, the thing that God put inside of you that can make you really great and can lead you into your purpose can also bring you great pain if it's not managed correctly? I'm teaching this to our oldest son right now. He has a gift for being argumentative, and it's a gift. Never seen anything quite like it. I'm told that he got it from somewhere. And he will verbally assassinate you. He will take you apart about anything. And I'm teaching him, this could be your greatest asset. Because, boy, I can see you one day on stage preaching to people, and God's going to take this gift that you have to kind of go through stuff and just take it apart, and you can take it apart. And I see how God could really use that. You might be three times, ten times, a hundred times the preacher that I ever am. But if you don't learn how to manage this, and you think that that gift is given to you so that you can argue with your mom about the cleanliness of your room, you are not going to live long enough to, to see whether or not You know, God can really use this. This is, this is a good thing. I, I see it in you, boy. I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. But you better learn when to use it and how to use it because you can win the argument and still lose your video game time for the next month if you don't shut your mouth right now. It's a good thing that you can do this, but you better learn to do it. You can do a good thing in the wrong way, and it becomes a bad thing. Sex is a good thing. Sex is a good thing. Sex is a good thing. You think 
think if I could ever get an amen, not get an amen. Sex is a good thing. So he don't teach that in the church. We teach, you know, sex is dirty. Sex is gross. Sex is disgusting. So save it for your husband. But the passion is pure. However, the passion needs parameters if it is to serve the correct purpose. And what's gotten a lot of us in trouble in our lives is we had a good passion but no parameters. So rather than building purpose, it destroyed purpose. And that's what happened to Moses. He had the right passion, but he put it in the wrong place and acted on it in the wrong way. Right passion, wrong expression. Look, bring me my um, sermon illustration. So, like, I was just thinking of a way that I could show you this, a simple way to show you this. And it's like, imagine right now that at this point in my sermon, I know this is simple. Just, just go with me. Like, hey, I got an idea. Let's build a fire on the stage. I just think it'd be cool to build a fire on the stage. I'm stacking wood to build a fire on the stage. I actually thought about how far should I take this sermon illustration. And I thought about gasoline, and I thought I would see how far I could go before people started leaving, exiting the building. But but I think it suffice it just to say that, you know, everybody in the room understands the problem with this proposition. And the problem isn't building a fire. The problem is building a fire in a place where there's nothing to contain the fire. It's fine if you want to build a fire. But building a fire without any parameters would be to unleash. See, the, the same substance that warms your home when it's in a fireplace is the same substance that burns a forest in Colorado in the summer. The difference is whether it's contained. And when you release passions that were intended for marriage outside of marriage, you're building a fire with nothing to contain it. And God says the fire is a good thing. Fire purifies. Fire brings warmth. Fire is a source of light. There's nothing wrong with fire. But if you build the fire in the wrong place, if you put the passion in the wrong place, it will burn your home to the ground. It's a misplaced passion. It's a good thing in a bad place. And I wonder, I wonder, how many of you would have avoided some serious pain in your life if somebody would have showed you before you build a fire, you need somewhere to put it? And, and the only human relationship that can sustain this force of passion is a covenant relationship called marriage. And if you go building fires in other relationships that aren't built to contain the power of passion, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to spread to places you don't intend for it to spread. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy things that God gave you as a gift. And so Paul is not saying put the fire out. He's saying find the right place to build the fire. Make sure you have the right place for the passion. 
seeing so many people and so many families get burned because they were trying to get warm. Because it's cold out there and because I need relationship and because I need somebody. So I think I'll stand up next to this fire. I did a word study this week. I studied the word intimacy, which is what we're all truly longing for. That's really what we all want. That's what all of our sexual expression, emotional expression is about. We want intimacy. That's what we want. That's what we desire from God and from others. We, we want to be known. We want to be accepted. We want intimacy. But then I studied the word infatuation, and I was fascinated to find out that in Latin, this will make you sound so smart at lunch this week, in Latin, infatuation literally means false fire. Looks like fire, but really can't warm you. Looks like fire, but really can't empower you. Looks like fire, and that's what the world offers, is an infatuation with images of sexuality, but it won't really warm you. In fact, it, it can actually run away from you and burn your house down. And, and, and some preacher needs to get up in front of you and just have the guts to care two cents worth of nothing what you think about it and say, if you're building these fires in the wrong place, it's going to burn you. It's going to burn you. So it's mismanaged passions. Passion is pure. The enemy wants to pervert it and use what God wanted to use to develop intimacy in your life to destroy your capacity for intimacy so that he gets a boy looking at pornography at age 10 so he can begin to rewire his brain and his standard of beauty so that when he's having sex with his wife one day, he won't be able to do it without conjuring up images that he saw before he even knew what was developing in his life and in his heart because a fire got built, but there was nothing to contain it. I say this not to condemn you, I say this not to bring all your mistakes up before you. There are some of you that are building fires in bad places right now, sending text messages to the wrong person right now, visiting some of the wrong sites right now, filling your minds with the wrong kinds of images, indulging in the wrong conversations. It's nothing wrong with the fire. It's just where you put it. And let's close talking about something positive. Let's talk about shameless solutions. Shameless solutions. So when me and Holly were building our home last year, by the way, Holly and I built a house last year. Let me share that with you. There were all these selections that you have to make, and for the most part, I never got involved. But she would bring certain things to me that she thought I might want to weigh in on. And one of them was what kind of fireplace we would have in the house. I love sitting by a fireplace. I don't know why. But I like the gas log fireplace because this is about as much work as I want to do to start the fire. Like, to, to me, that's, that's my version of roughing it. Like, that's my outdoorsmanship right there. Just flip that little switch. And the fire comes on. She said, no, no, for this house, we need to have a real fireplace with, like, real logs and stuff. And I'm like, oh, God, no. I mean, we have to go chop wood and uh, I'm going to go buy a flannel shirt from Old Navy and I'm going to have one in the closet. And, and she's like, no, no, it'll be great. It'll be a gas start 
fireplace, but it'll have real wood. And so I'm thinking like, you know, I trust you, whatever. And she said, trust me, you'll love it. I said, go ahead, we can do it. And, um, but nobody showed me how to use it. So the first time I went to go build a fire in the, in the gas start fireplace, which let me see, I, I'm going to give you the technical explanation for this. There's a little thingy that you put in the, the, the hole on, there's a thing on the side of the fireplace and you turn that on and then it opens the gas valves. And so then, then you can light the fire. At least that's what I thought you were supposed to do is turn on the gas and then light the fire in the fireplace. So I was so excited to have our first fire of the year last year. And I, so I turned on the gas to give it plenty of time. Like, you know, if you're turning on your car in, in the cold, to so give it some time to warm up, right? And so I went to go get my kids because I wanted them to see the first fire. And I bring them in because it's like getting close to Christmas time and their stockings up. And I thought this was going to be a picture perfect scene. And so I went, I go and get a drink and get the kids and I gather them around and I went and got the wood, not the wood that I chopped, but the wood that the man who sold the wood to me on the side of the road chopped at some point. And I took that wood and I stacked it up high because I wanted it to be a good fire. I wanted to make sure our first fire was a good fire. And now I figure we're warmed up. And, and so what happened when I put the match in, so like now, when I give an invitation for people to receive Christ, I give it with so much more passion because I feel like I have, I have seen what hell is going to be like. Because when the, when the flames came out, it, it was traumatic. It was traumatic for Graham. Graham was crying. Um, I was calling on Jesus Christ. I, I was calling on Smokey the Bear. I was stopping and dropping and rolling. It was everything. I was checking for eyebrows in the mirror. Um, Lesson learned. Start the fire in the fireplace and then turn on the gas. Not the other way around. The difference between a fire that will warm your house and a fire that will burn off your face has to do with the order in which you turn on the gas and light the flame. And that's what Paul is saying, church. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, some of you are running the gas valve wide open in your thought life. And you're running the gas valve wide open in your conversations. And you're running the gas valve wide open. And so you're getting hit by all these flames that are consuming you and burning you alive. What do you expect? When you turn the gas on and leave it on and let it build up and just think what you want and say what you want, you don't control any of this. Like, how did you think this was going to end? When you let the gas build up and you, you never got any help with those issues and you never found any place to discuss them, and where did you think this was going to end? He said, first, first marriage, then fire. Context is everything. And some of you, I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm just trying to be helpful. You're sitting here feeding the fire of lust and discontentment and wondering why the flames are burning so high. You say, well, I just can't control myself. You know, that's kind of what Paul says in the passage. He says, for those who can't control themselves, you should get married. You know, that's actually a poor interpretation of the original language in Greek. He didn't actually say, for those who can't control themselves. He said, for those who are not controlling themselves. 
See, because he said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you have self-control, but when you feed the wrong fires all the time, like some of you are just throwing logs on the fire all the time, and you're, you're miserable because you're watching The Bachelor. No man will ever be able to live up to your standard because you're watching a guy take girls on dates on a network budget. Your man might drive a Hyundai. It, 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 it may be a good car, but you're feeding the fire of all of these ideals. Some of you men have gotten your standard of beauty from people who are airbrushed. No wonder your wife can't satisfy you. You're feeding the wrong fire. It's flaming up and blazing up, and you're running the gas, and you talk how you want to talk and do what you want to do and say what you want to say, and now you're wondering, why can't I control this? Because you didn't control it. So, so what do we need? We need a big old ice bucket. I thought about calling a single person up here and having our own little ice bucket challenge. <laughs> you know, what, what the church does, and what I used to do a lot of times when I would preach about these topics, I would think that the solution for sexual sin is a big old bucket of shame. You know? So we just, you know, something like that. And all the sermons are based around shame. It's like... And that that's effective for, like, Three days. But then it flares right back up. Most of the time in our sexuality, shame is the source of our problem. So it can't be our solution. Paul doesn't shame the Corinthian church. He, he doesn't shame. God doesn't shame you for your struggles, for your passions. He simply wants you to get them in the right place. And see, we talked about Moses, how he misplaced his passion in Exodus chapter 2. But check this out. Forty years later, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, it says uh, that one day Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. So he was just doing his basic responsibility. He had gone on about his life. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So he was out in a lonely place. And God shows up and appears to Moses, but he did it in a lonely place while Moses was simply doing his job. Would that not be a good word for a single person in this church today? You tend the flock that God has given you. Be faithful in the place where he's positioned you. And watch what God did. He said, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. So Moses saw, remember when he looked the first time after he killed the Egyptian and he looked and he saw and nobody was there and so he thought he got away with it, but he really didn't because he tried to fulfill the right passion in the wrong way. But watch this this time. He saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so he thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. 
And when the Lord saw he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, when I am the center of your passion, your life will burn, but it won't burn up. When I am the center of a relationship, it'll burn, but it won't burn up. See, lust can set you on fire, but only God can set you on fire and keep you on fire. Anybody can light a bush on fire, but only God can get in the middle of a bush and light it on fire. But although it's on fire and and what we want in this church and what God wants for your life is a passion that stays on fire. Not this little cheap imitation, infatuation, false flame garbage that burns you out and creates new, new patterns of processing information in your brain that will cause you trouble for the rest of your life. The enemy wants to burn you out. But God wants to set passion on fire in your life and put it in a place where it will burn but not burn out. How many of you want a holy passion? that doesn't burn out, relationships that don't burn out, fires and pursuits that don't burn out, that that burn out, that are alive and lighting, but grow brighter and brighter as the seasons go by. God's desire for you isn't just that you would have the passing pleasure of sin for a season, but that you would know the pleasure of passion that comes from his purpose, that it would burn from within and not burn out. Some of you have been feeding the wrong fires, see? And yet it's not enough just to starve the wrong fires. But, 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 but God told me, I said, God, well, if shame isn't the solution to this, then what is? And he said, I want you to tell everybody who's struggling with their desires that are burning a hole inside of them today. I want you to tell them that they need to fight fire with fire. Fight fire with fire, not with shame. Shame isn't going to help this. You've tried that. Shame doesn't make you any better. It just drives you deeper into your own dysfunction and isolates you from people who could help you. But the scripture says, watch this, our God is a consuming fire. So what do you do if you're consumed with the wrong passions? Here's an idea. Get more consumed with the right ones. I hear a phrase sometimes, the phrase is meant to be, you know, I, I just know me and Holly were meant to be, or you're praying. Yeah. Was it, was it meant to be? God, is this meant to be? Let him call me if it's meant to be. Are you meant to be single? Is there really only one person out there who is meant for you? The right one. Well, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on this topic, but the Bible has scriptural truth on the matter as well. Which is why we have a special series for you today called Meant to Be that will show you what the Bible says about experiencing healthy relationships. That's right. You don't have to turn to articles and magazines to find tips and secrets to success in your sex life, your marriage, or your singleness. God has a lot to say on the topic. Yeah, and Meant to Be is a five-part series that includes sermons like 
how to save your husband or <laughs> like marry one. or burn. And you'll discover how to navigate the conflict and the conflicts of interest. These are part of all relationships. And marriage or relationship is a special assignment, and you need special assistance. So if you or someone that you know needs this message series meant to be, I want you to call or go online right now. I'll do it later. No, you won't. Right now, request your copy of Meant to Be with your gift to the ministry of any amount. We're going to get this message series to you. And your support will help us continue to reach people yeah. with the gospel. Right. And I believe this series will have a profound impact on your life. I can't wait to hear how God uses the Meant to Be series. So don't wait. Respond now. Request a special offer, Meant to Be, today. When it comes to seeking advice about relationships, marriage, and sex, we tend to look in all the wrong places. The world claims to have the answers, but maybe we've been focusing on the wrong problem all along. In our series, Meant to Be, Pastor Stephen Furtick has open conversations to help us uncover the Bible's best-kept secrets about sex, marriage, and being single. Most of the emphasis when you talk about dating and marriage and singleness in culture seems to be on finding the right one. Most of the emphasis when you come to the Scripture tends to be on being the right one. For your gift of any amount, we'll send right. you the five-part Meant to Be series, which includes a message with Dr. <laughs> and his wife, Holly, where they share personal examples and scriptural insights on how we can invite God to work in our everyday relationship challenges. Pastor Stephen also explains the unnecessary complications that sidetrack us in relationships, and he shows us what is truly meant to be in our lives when we have Jesus as our foundation. I've been taught all my life to put Jesus first, but that doesn't work. Because that separates him out from everything else. Live as if Jesus was not first on your list, but that he was the center of your world. Visit us online at stephenfurtick.com or call us at the number on your screen to get your copy of Meant to Be today. or your boyfriend or girlfriend, so chill out. I'm not asking you to break up with somebody today. I'm talking about breaking up with comfortable Christianity. There are forces at work in our world that together shape everything we experience. Forces of influence. As influencers, we are responsible for unleashing potential Capitalizing vision, charting a path forward in individuals, in teams, in our world. This year, join 445,000 of your peers and learn how to maximize your influence with two days of leadership training featuring Simon Sinek, Angela Aaron, Erwin McManus, Carla Harris. Christ grows out. Influence is a powerful thing. How are you feeling moves? As our way of saying thank you for your gift of support to our ministry this month, we'd like to send you Pastor Brian's brand new ministry resource entitled How to Fight Fear. In this practical and uplifting resource, you'll discover how you can effectively identify and overcome the power of fear in your life. 
It's vital that we live in the reality that fear is an emotion. And therefore, through Christ, we have authority over it. This month, we've prepared a special offer for you that will encourage and strengthen you in your battle with fear. Whether it's fear of failure, fear of your past, fear of death, regardless of what you may be battling in the area of fear today, I want you to know that you can overcome. Call or log on now. And as you give, be sure to request the new resource, How to Fight Fear, and take a step towards living in freedom and victory over the fear in your life today. Your way. 
The fact that you're watching online, you're tuning in, you want to hear what God has to say. You're watching this on YouTube. You're watching this on TV. You are leaning into what God wants to do in your life. You are well on your way. He says, I'm reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, he says. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal. Everybody just take your right hand and just put the finger right here on your eye. Just say, I got my eye on the goal. Say, I got my eye on the goal. This year, the key to accelerating in the productivity that God wants you to walk in, the key to accelerating in the healing that God wants you to walk in, the key to accelerating in the demonstration of the gospel, the key to accelerating in the anointing and the dreams and the gifts and the callings and the potential that he's put inside you is making sure your eye is on the right thing, making sure your eyes aren't looking to the left or to the right, comparing yourself with other men, comparing yourself with other women, comparing yourself to other people's dreams and other people's gifts and callings. He says, I've got my eye on the right place. If I'm moving forward, I'm moving forward to where God's calling me to go, not where other people want me to go, not what I think I should do because of someone else doing it, not where I've been, but where I'm headed. And he says, God is beckoning us onward. Everybody say onward. I love that word, onward. It means forward motion. Onward means nothing to the side, nothing behind you, nothing below you, everything in front of you. He says God is beckoning us onward to Jesus, and I'm off and I'm running. Everybody say, I'm running. Notice that Paul doesn't say, I'm off and I'm walking. (laughs) He doesn't say, I'm off and I'm skipping. I'm off and I'm just kind of, Moseying my way through. This is the year to accelerate. This is the year to start running. If you want to be a part of what God's doing, you can't be showing up to work late, putting in a 50% energy job to a company that's paying you more money than the energy you're getting. You've got to get in with what God wants to do. You've got to be the best you that God's called you. Oh, boy. 
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile.
Good morning. So, Brother Richardson, how you be? I'm well, and you? Mm, I won't complain. Doesn't help at all, so why do it? Well, it'll be all right. Mm-hmm, that's true. One year, you're right. One year, it's going to be all right. <laughs> it might be this year. Oh. Amen. Never know. Uh, you wanna go ahead and open us up? Yeah, I will, I will, I will. So you gonna get ready and get out of here. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just want to praise and thank you, Lord God, for the brand new, this brand new day. We want to thank you, O Heavenly Father, that you watched over us as we slept last night, Lord. You touched us with the finger of love to bring us forth, Lord, to give praise and glory to your holy and righteous name. We praise you and thank you, Lord God, for being ever-present in our life and our existence, Lord God. We praise you for leading and guiding us, Lord God, into the way, O Lord God, of what is right before you, Lord. Lord God. We thank you, O Lord God, that your hand of mercy has sustained us, Lord God. It's not by our own doings or by our own good deeds, Lord God, that we were not consumed, but it's because the love of Jesus, Lord God, by Jesus praying for each and every last one of us, Lord God. Call on our names out before you, before the altar, before your throne for mercy, for grace, for peace, for understanding, for guidance, and for and for directions. Father God, we come, Lord God, and we come to recognize within ourselves, Lord God, that we can't do anything without you, but with you and through Christ Jesus, we can do all things, Lord God. And we just want to praise you and thank you. Father God, we come, Lord God, asking that your holy presence will lead and guide us throughout this day, that you will give us the wisdom, the grace, the, and the mercies, Lord God, that we need to make it, Lord God, in time such as these, Lord God. But, Father God, this world here is right now, Lord God, is going through the last and evil days, Lord God. We see evidence, Lord God, of how those in authority are going about their own devices, seeking their own ways for their own plan. But, Father God, man is not seeking your counsel, Lord God, but they're going about their own ways. So we, those of us who are called by your name, Lord God, we humble ourselves and we come and we pray and seek your face, Lord God, for guidance and directions through these trying times. We seek your face for covering, for healing, for directions, Lord God. We seek your face for all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And we seek your face, Lord God, for your, your for allowing us to to dwell in the side shot of your almighty ways. Lord God, we actually to give Sam, Lord God, that measure, Lord God, that he needs, Lord God, to proclaim the word of the readings, Lord God, and to pray for those who ask for prayer, Lord God. We ask that you give him strength and that you will cover, keep, and protect him. We pray for all our sisters and brothers on this call, even our family members who are not on this call, Lord God, that you will cover us all throughout this day, protecting us from the hand the snares of the evil one, Lord God. Father God, I lift up my niece Lakeisha this morning, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. For you know what is about to happen, Lord God. For even the young man who has taken her baby's life is seeking a reprieve, Lord God. We ask that you will cover and keep her and keep her mental mind strong and stayed on you. Father God, we want to praise you for the victories right now, Lord God, that you have that you're going to give us, Lord God, even those who are trying to rise up 
against us, Lord God, in secret, Lord God. You have already seen their plots and plans, and you have set it down and sent it back to the pits of hell. Lord God, we actually bind up the attack of the enemy and anything that he's trying to do, Lord God, to get us off our mark so we can continue to press towards the mark of the higher calling. We ask you, Lord, for wisdom. We ask you for knowledge and understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Father God, I even lift up those who are unsaved, Lord God, those who go about their own deceptive ways of living, Lord God, thinking that they are right. For men have become lovers of themselves and lovers of one another, Lord God. But we have turned from our first love. Father God, but you were married to us and you even spoke to us as you spoke to the Israelites. You told us to return back to you because you were married to them. They, You are our first love. Let us be and let us see that you are the God, Lord God, who heals us. You're the God who provides for us. You're the God who who delivered us. You're the God who created us. Lord God, we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, amen, amen, amen. All right, anybody else want to pray? Enter in, Harambo, Kosirikondesh, Kirikoseh, Shirikoseh, 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 Shirikoseh,
That's it right there. The God did go say this gotta come boost kid again, that's gonna go this kid come boost gotta come raka and raskid go say this, that's it right there. Allow the word of God to move, to minister, to flow. Mm. Trust in me, says the Lord. Trust in me. In order to walk in the realm of the supernatural, you have to get beyond your natural eyesight, beyond your natural understanding. You got to trust in God. He has given you his word, his written word, to provide light for you. When you're in a point of darkness, when you're in a point of despair, when you're in a point of saying, I'm, I'm done. He is giving you his written word to feed on. His written word will sustain you. It will encourage you. It will strengthen you. It will guide you. He's giving you his word just so that you can feed on it. The man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. So he is giving you his word to keep you. He is giving you his word for your own life, for your own walk, so that you can find out that it's true. He is giving you his word. Pull not back your hand. Don't get off the path. Do not get off the path. Let the anointing of God begin to move and manifest as he is speaking to you, his children. He is speaking to you. He is guiding, he is correcting, he is directing. Just because it doesn't make sense to your natural mind does not mean it is not from God. You must let God be God. That's how often we miss it. It, it, it doesn't make sense. But he tells you in his word that your ways are not his ways. Your thoughts are not his thoughts. So, again, see, this is how God speaks to you. When he gives you a certain path, a certain directive, and it doesn't make sense, Lord, I don't see it, I don't understand it. But then he'll guide you to your, his word. And when you read his word, you're feeding his spirit, man, which gives you the strength to walk the path and a person. See, that's your part to play. You must get to the word of God. If you don't, you'll find that you'll end up detouring off the path, deterring off the path, getting off the path, because it doesn't make sense. I don't see it. Then you'll find that you'll also come to a place of stuck, a position of loss. Or oh, a real good trick of the enemy is you'll have a temporary win. That's a real good trick of the enemy. He'll, he'll give you something, and, and, and yeah, that makes sense to me. And, oh, yeah, I got it now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Only what you don't recognize is that wind that he's giving you is leading you off of a cliff with no bridge. Hmm. You, you, you're so caught up into the temporary thing because you see it and it makes sense. And you got it right here, right now. But then... A little while later, everything falls apart. Ask all the lottery winners. The majority of them have not kept the winnings that they had. 
How many stories have we heard about those who say, I wish I'd never won? But we all play it. We want it because it's going to answer our problems. It's going to solve our issues. But if you're not taught how to handle money, it handles you. If you're not taught the principles of, of, of money, of finance, of prosperity, then you get caught up in a fool and his money is, is quickly uh, separated. I forget exactly how the word says. See, these are the things that, that are different from what God does and how the enemy does because the enemy will give you that quick fix, that nice little high. You say, yeah, I got it now, and then you just end up in destruction. Whereas God lays a road, God lays a foundation step by step, piece by piece. A lot of times it doesn't make sense and you don't understand it, but that's why he's God. But see, you must understand that he has your best interest at heart, that he's not doing anything to harm, hurt, or hurt you. That is not God. That is not his character. Man, as you read his word, you begin to get an understanding of such. So now the path that God has you on, yes, yeah, taking time. It doesn't make sense. But what you don't understand is that he's building a foundation. So the, the structure that will be erected will be able to support the foundation. And the deeper the foundation means the taller the structure. But you don't see that when this process is going on. Because all you know is you have a dream, you have a vision, you have an idea that you're walking toward, but you're frustrated, you're aggravated because it's taking too long. It don't take all of that. This ain't how they said it was going to happen. But God says, who's the builder? Who's the builder? Who's the maker? I am. And you must learn to rely on me. You must learn to seek me. You must learn to trust me, says the Lord. So I'm going to put you in a position where you're forced to lean, to seek, and to allow me to work to the fullness of the degree that I need to work in your life so I can produce the harvest that I want to get, says Father God. Because, see, it's not about you. But, see, when you start out on this journey, you don't even understand that. Because it's you, 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 and God has to position and transfer you from you to him. So, again, you wonder why it's taking so long. You wonder why it t yeah it does take all that and then some. But let me ask you this: when you're going through these times of struggle, when you're going through these times of <sighs> pure exhaustion, who are you looking to for your source, your reinforcement? Who are you listening to? Who's in your ear? Because there's many times you need to get out your own head. There's many times you need to check the people that are around you because they're not qualified to tell you what you need in order for you to get where you need to be going. That's when you need to begin to understand the different range of associates, compadres, and your inner circle. Because, see, if your inner circle is feeding you disinformation, they don't need to be in your inner circle. If your inner circle is telling you things that's not lining up with the path and purpose of God, not lining up with his word, then they don't need to be in your inner circle. Because all you'll stay where you're at. Because God has designed for you to go to another level. So it might be time for you to change your friends, change your people. 
Because you can't make a million dollars hanging around people who've never made over 10000 It ain't going to work. It's not going to work. So God might be trying to tell you, hey, it's time for you to reposition yourself. It's time for you to get a different way of thinking. See, when I'm talking about, again, him building a foundation in your life, these are things that he has an understanding about, which is way above your pay grade, way above your pay scale. And it's not that he's trying to keep you from having it. He's trying to make sure that you're capable of handling it when it comes. So, again, he's going back to your foundation. He's going back to your core because he knows if you're broken, he knows if you're whole, if he knows that you're not together, you will never be able to handle it. You won't even be able to handle the pressure. You'll be going off on everything and everybody, and they're trying to help you. But because you don't understand it, it's not happening in the way or in the time and in the manner that you deem it needs to happen. Then, what's wrong with you? Don't you see? You didn't do it the way. Okay, now who's really going to want to stay around in that way to help you when all you're doing is complaining and growling? I'm not growling. That's because that's all you know. You don't even understand that you're not communicating correctly. Wow. I done just went off on a tangent today. Again, God is doing things to restructure and to rebuild you. So you know what? If God says, you know what, I need to break you to start all over, he will. Because he knows the end game result. He knows the true person. He knows who you will form to be, not who you're walking in. Mm. Now I'm going to close on that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, okay, I was not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. I need to say this. The tangent you're going on is needed right now. It was a word spoken, and you, the key that you said so many times is, He has to break us to make us into who he desires us to be so that we're no longer walking in who we have made ourselves to be. Because we become comfortable in who we are, but that's not who he desires for us to be. And we have to learn to see ourselves, not how we see we should be, but how God desires and how he has predestined us to be. And, 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 you, and you know what, as you were talking, you know what another issue is? We've become comfortable, but we're really not liking it. <laughs> because that's all we know. Mm-hmm. So, so we've become familiar. comfortable, and we become familiar, but we really don't like where our life is at. We've yeah, just accepted it. Yeah, that's like a person in a relationship. The relationship is bad. Everybody around them sees it's a bad relationship. But because that's all they know, they stick there. They stay. It's comfortable. They don't want to start over. They know this person ways. But knowing that person ways does not make it okay. Mm. Does not make it right. Knowing that that's just how you are, you get upset easily. You, You don't think before you speak or all those negative attributes, that's just because you're comfortable, and that's just because who you are does not make it right. Mm-hmm. And, and wait, does not make it right in God's eyes, let alone ours. <laughs> right. 
you don't even listen before you you start your going off on somebody. It all because it actually was a simple question. But we're supposed to be representing Christ and Uh-oh. being Christ-like. Uh-oh. But do we walk in that? Uh-uh. When somebody asks us for help, do we roll our eyes and look up at the cellar and like, really, they don't have it by now? How often have we gone to somebody for help because we haven't got it right? And if we are our brothers and sister keeper, we should be willing to do what we can, what we're able to, what God tells us to. Mm. <laughs> what God tells us to do for somebody else, even when it's not comfortable. Mm. Mm. Go ahead and preach to yourself. I mean to the choir. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, a true teacher, you're the first partaker of your own word. Oh, here she go. Now you, now you gonna come with wait. I gotta go to. Now you gonna come with too many scriptures. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Look, I'm sorry if these scriptures help to give me life, direction, understanding, insight, strength. I'm sorry. If, I'm sorry if I, I begin to quote and speak these scriptures over my life because now I'm just beginning to get an understanding of them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry that I actually take God's word as a tool to there use. You oh shit! this as a tool to use it. as He meant it to be to sustain, to energize, to do that which is called to do in my life. That's it. So see, for me, God's word is just not words in the Bible that I'm reading. It's just not words in the book. Come on. The Bible this is living is and breathing. So therefore, when you are imparting of his word, his word has been imparted into you. Mm. As you're reading, it should be taken real. It should be stirring up. There should be a change. And then that's called gaining wisdom. And that's because of the simple fact we are he's teaching us how to apply the scripture, not to harm, but to to improve and correct those things and to bring back into memory that you trust the believer what he said is true. Mm. Now I'm gonna get dressed. Come on. God, is that really how you meant your word to be used? Yes, it is. Are we supposed to just take something and, yeah, yeah, and then give us some more emotional reaction and natural understanding to a Holy Spirit-written word of God? And the key is, don't just repeat his word back to him when you need something. Lord God, you said you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory because I need something. <laughs> Why can't you repeat his word back to him and remind him, Lord God, you said you would never leave me or forsake me. Mm. Oh, Lord God, you told me that, I, that you told me that you are I am. 
And I am, I am who I am, and I am whoever you need me to be. Do you need a comforter? Do Come you need on a counselor? Now. Do you need a friend? Do you need a mm. mother? Do you need a father? Mm. Do you need strength as you're walking on your journey? Do you just need a friend to talk to? Because he said he's a mother to the motherless. Mm. And then why can't we repeat his word back to him just because of who he is now unto him who is able to keep us from falling, to present us faultless before the glory with exceeding joy, be the only wise God our Savior. The glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and ever. Amen. Why can't we just praise him with his word? Amen. Let him know that we know who he is. Mm. Okay. Because of who you are, I give you glory. It doesn't mm. say because of who I am. It doesn't say because of who I think I am. It has nothing to do with me but because of who he is and who he is in life and what he represents. When we truly understand we're not functioning on our own accord, but how did she hit up a heart of the shit up a heart? But we're functioning by the guidance of his will. Mm. Yes, Lord. Okay, uh, I'm done. I'm going back on mute. Mm-hmm. There's so many different things at this moment that's going on. At this moment. Father God, I speak a word of healing right now at this moment in the name of Jesus. I speak a word of healing and restoration right now. The word in the name of Jesus. This healing is more than just a natural healing. This healing is going to the core issues of life. Those things that have you in a position of stuck, broken, hurt, or maimed. Yes, in the natural, if you need a healing, go ahead and grab hold. But right now, God says, I need you to be whole. So this word of healing is to make you whole. Amen. Because when you begin to become whole, you'll begin to able to face some of the things that you've been running from. You'll be able to stand in some of the areas where you've been sinking. You'll be able to press your way through in some of the areas where you wouldn't even go forth. You'll be able to open the door and look at that which thing which is opposing you. 
Because when you'll be made whole, you'll be made whole in him, in his image, in his understanding. And whereas before you were using your own self, your own thing, we talked about a foundation. But if your foundation is built upon a broken core, mm, a false image of who you were or what you're supposed to be doing, a, a, a false ideology of, of how life works, your, you, your thing is built on the premises of maybe even friends and relationships with people who ain't even trying to be there for you. And you wonder why things fall apart. But you don't want to allow God to go and straighten the root. Come on now. See, God's going at the root. He's not just going at the symptoms. He's not just going at the surface. So he said, I'm going to reestablish and remake your core. And it is from that that I'm going to raise up my structure. But see, the core that he's going to remake is going to be built upon his word. That's why you'll go and those words of God will come forth and they'll make sense. As as, as Marie was speaking and, and, and talking about how, how you begin to read and absorb the word, and now it's making sense because it's restructuring your core. It's solidifying that which was broken. And because he's a great physician, it's not going to be a patch job. It's not going to be a patch job. He can remake make the whole thing and make it even better than it was in the beginning. But you got to let him be God. You got to let him be God. And at this time, that word of healing that I've spoken to your life is for that type of healing to manifest. Yeah, you have a little cold or flu or ache or pain, but God says, no, I'm going deep down within and I'm going to search you out and I'm going to go to exactly the issue that is causing all these other manifestations to occur. Come on now. See, see, that's what God says. See, I know what's really going on because I understand how you comprise and what it takes to make things work. So I send a word of healing deep down within to resolve the deep-rooted issues in your life. And see, sometimes, you know, in order to get rid of a sickness, you got to be purged. So you might go through a, a, a time of purging or cleansing, facing old wounds and areas and things. That, oh, why am I thinking that way? I ain't thought about that in years. Oh, I thought I was done with that. God said, no, I was buried up underneath the rug, and now it's starting to stink. And I needed to resolve it. Because if I didn't resolve it now, it's going to be a cancer further down the road. Again, God is trying to make you whole. Trying to make you better than you were. Trying to make him whom he called you to be. So allow that word just to move in your life and in your heart. Jesus' name I pray, man. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. All righty. Well, anybody else got anything? Well, we get ready to proceed to the next step in the process. Anybody got anything going once? 
Anybody got anything going twice? Anybody got anything going three times? All right. All right, you squares. It's time to smoke. Oh, my bad. Wrong, wrong, wrong station. All right. I will go get the book. <laughs> I don't know. We're almost done with that book. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know if I'm going to get back in spirit, soul, or body or find something new. Can't quite figure that one out. But anyway. It's not for you to figure out. It's for him to give you direction on what we need. And that's why I said, yeah, well, anyway. Because that's how all this other stuff is happening. I think you know what though I I, I gotta laugh I gotta say that the funniest one is the one I gave Andre because uh, look I was in there just doing one and I look oh and I I saw the top, mm-hmm, Andre and I just picked it up <laughs> and that book is taking us on the journey I said, mm-hmm, Andre like this <laughs> that's funny to me you real funny. Yeah, I got issues. That's why he got to go to my core as well. This one here, yeah, he kind of real special. He need a lot. He need a lot of attention. Sometimes I think he give me a little bit too much attention, but we ain't gonna talk about that right now. Okay. Now, what did I do with the book? Oh, here it is. Okay. My life, my life, my life, my life in the sunshine. Okay. All right, the office of a teacher, I did that on Friday last time I had. Okay. Elders, deacons, helps in government. Having studied the fivefold ministry gift, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we now come to the portion of laborers in the body of Christ who is set aside by these spiritual leaders. The office of elder. First we will deal with is the elder or bishop. First Timothy three and one states, This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop or elder, he desire for good work. It is good to desire the office of elder, not the title, but the ministry involved. Now, I like this. You know why? Because it's really breaking this down scripturally about how God has set, has, how God has set up for this ministry thing to function. So the fivefold is set aside for the edification of the body. So in other words, simply put, it ain't about us. It ain't about you, boo. It's about what he's called you to do. And your main purpose is to feed his sheep. So now in the structure of the of the body, in the structure, more so in the structure of the church as far as how God is ordained. And now we need to look at it in a twofold way. We need to look at it in the actual building of the church. But then we also need to actually look at it in the actual orchestration of the body. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, in the sense, for example, I say that, and even when we study that, I, I, the marketplace, the place where we live, where we work, where, you know, that's really where we minister at. In your job, in your family, in your community, and you're called to be a light. So now, you might have an elder or a deacon 
in your community who doesn't have a title elder or a deacon. But God has God has given you given you all a, a supernatural connection where you'll just begin to flow with each other in the Holy Spirit. Things will just begin to come out like like me me and me and Dom, me and my mechanic Dagger was talking the other day. We were just talking and we were sitting out there in my truck for about a half an hour, which didn't break down until I decided to drive it. But anyway, um, you know, so just looking at it in that aspect, then we have a and we do we do have a relationship one to another. But looking at it as far as this book is breaking it down, he might be because I walk in the fivefold that he could be an elder, a deacon, or, or or whatever. As far as in assistance to me, when I'm saying assistance to me, I'm talking about an assistance to the body. That means he might bring something across my plate that I might need to minister to him about. I might give him something that he might need to eat. He might ask me about something or, or somebody and, and how to deal with him. And that, honestly, that's what we do a lot of times. So now what I'm trying to say is let God expand your vision of titles and positions because you got a lot of prophets, evangelists, that are walking around in the, in the, in the marketplace arena outside the, body, outside of the church building, the church edifice, and you got a lot of other ministries that helps outside of just walking in, in the, in the, um, outside of the church structure. So I'm going to read this again. Having studied the fivefold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we now come to the portion of laborers in the body of Christ who are set aside for these spiritual leaders, set aside by these spiritual leaders. The first we will deal with is the elder or bishop. First Timothy 3 and 1 states, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop or elder, he desire for good work. It is good to desire the office of elder, not the title, but the ministry of the boss. Mm. It is good to desire the office, not the title. So he's saying if you desire the office, that means you have a desire to do those things which are, which are um, calling you to do such. You desire to do that particular work. You desire to fulfill that particular portion of ministry that needs to be done. It's not so much I'm looking for a title. I'm looking for a name. First Timothy five seventeen through nineteen reveals how the elders to function in the body of Christ. Let the elders that rule well be want, want let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Alrighty then. That the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. In other words, those who are actually taking the time to get into the word for themselves and for others. For the scripture says, thou should not muzzle the ox that treads off the corn. In other words, the ox is the one that's doing the work. Let him eat. The labor is worthy of his reward. Against the elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. In other words, when somebody comes, as, as people say, and people do, when somebody comes and says something negative about an elder or somebody who has a position, don't just get caught up in it because, first of all, understand that's just a trick of the enemy. But now let it be established by two or three witnesses as well. Okay, now we got something that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> Act 2017, we read, 
and from Miletus, Paul sent the Ephesians and called the elders of the church. Paul called them together for the consultation about their ministry, what they should do, and how they should work in the church. James 5.14 we read, Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. In other words, those who have some understanding about the word, about how God's words operate. This is what we were talking right now about when we have situations, circumstances coming forth in our life and how we go to the word of God and speak it over our lives and it gives us strength, guidance, direction, or whatever it is we need. Acts fourteen twenty three states, and when they had ordained them, they had ordained them elders in every church, had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. These elders were men of the church who were mature, both physically and spiritually. Such men were ordained or anointed and set aside for service by the laying on on hands. So God called them; they were ordained; they were anointed. In Timothy 1, 5 and 6, Paul wrote, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I appointed thee, if any be blameless, the husband and one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly. Here Paul was showing us the responsibilities and qualification of these elders. It is good to obey the Lord in everything, especially when it concerns elders, because they are the ones who function in the spiritual part of the church. Hmm. I'm going to read that again. Here Paul was showing us the responsibilities and qualifications of the elders. So again, it says, For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city. As I appoint thee, it would be blameless, the husband and one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right and ruling. In other words, you're conducting yourself in a particular manner, in a particular way. It is good to obey the Lord in everything, especially where it concerns elders, because they're the ones who function in the spiritual part of the church. In our church, there are about 50 elders who visit church members each week. When a member of our church is ill, the elders will go quickly and joyfully to minister to him. We receive good reports of how God heals and blesses through the work of our elders. For a bishop or elder must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. That is not a love of money, but a love of hospitality, one who invites people to his home and ministers to them. A love of good men, associates with good people, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able to buy sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. Notice his phrase, as he been taught, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, whom God has set the church to take those in the church and teach them. As verse 9 continued, an elder is taught that he may be able to have sound doctrine as he has been taught, both to exhort and to convince the gangsters, those who come against the body. This is the role of the elder, the spiritual elder, the spiritual overseer in the church. Arthur, is that you with all that noise in the background? Thank you. This is the role of the elder, spiritual overseer in the church, involved in blessing the people spiritually. So what he's saying, an elder is taught. 
he's taught to have sound doctrine, just like I'm, I'm, I'm going back, I'm, you know, saying too many scriptures. See, when you talk on scriptural basis, then you got something to stand on. When you talk about how you think and how you feel, well, hell, tomorrow you might feel differently. That's why that's why we have to learn not to be based things on the way we feel and to base things on the Word of God. So he's saying the elder or um, a bishop is taught how to walk in the Word and the will of God. The office of deacon. Next we have the office of deacon. The first deacons were chosen in Acts chapter 6. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmur of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in a daily daily ministration. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we made a point over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You probably know the rest of the story. They chose seven men to be deacons. And when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. As deacons, these women were given jobs to do in a church. So, I don't know if I'm going to read all of this. I might go ahead and read all of this. So now we're going into deacons because they needed, this is actually, this particular thing is talking about the church body as well. They needed some help. Hmm, interesting. That is very interesting. <laughs> Never thought about that till just now. Hmm, well, so. In my, um, just, okay, going back to exactly what I was talking about, that our ministries are in the marketplace where we live, where we work, and in our community. So we've got some family issues going on. So um, my cousin is called to, she's starting to step up and help me around the house and stuff like that. So she's up here. Then I came in yesterday. She was cleaning. Oh, okay, thank you, Jesus, you know, because I need help. And so I was like, cool. But what got me, and I was just reading this, it said laying on her hands. Lord told me to anoint her before, you know, when she was doing that. Huh? Oh, today? Okay. I mean, I went on and did it. But I, and and I, I when I was told to do it, I was like, well, yeah, I understand, because I know people need to be anointed who deal with me in this household. That's just that simple. But now, as I'm reading this, there was a lot more to it. See, that's why God is God. And our thoughts are not his thoughts, our ways are not his ways. God knew that she was anointing as a ministry of helps or deacon or whichever one it is. See, now the power of God is flowing with her in that arena to help with issues going on around this house. I just read it in his word. I did yesterday, but I had no idea that's what I was doing or why. I was just being obedient. <laughs> Interesting. You probably know the rest of the story. These children chose seven men to be deacons. When they prayed, they laid their hands on them. As deacons, these men were given jobs to do in the church. Likewise, in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 12, we read, Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-minded, not given to much wine, not greedy or filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also be first, and let these also first be proved, not novices, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands and one wife, ruling their children in the house as well. 
As qualification for both the eldership and the deaconship, God said these men should be capable of ruling their own houses. Americans have been taught very little about this subject, and it grieves me. Once I was preaching in what was then the largest full gospel church in the world, an enormous church in Stockholm, Sweden. While I was there, the pastor told me a very exciting story. Shortly before I arrived, he had resigned the church, thought, though he was its founder. One day he stood before the organ congregation and said very simply, I resign. When the board asked why, he answered, one of my children, <clears throat> one of my children, he had 11, is not living for God. I will resign and stay at home and pray until he is saved. Immediately the church body set themselves as one to pray for his son. What was that boy to do when 6,000 church members started praying? He got saved in a hurry. Here was a man who ruled his house well, which is how a deacon is to be. My wife and I witnessed a very interesting occurrence in Puerto Rico. As we were preaching there, a missionary came by the church to visit. He stood during the service and rather than preaching, gave his life's testimony. He said, I was called to be a missionary in India. While there, my wife fell in love with another man and left me. Now I'm alone as I go out preaching the word. I've come down here because I love you, and I'm going to preach the word to you. How glad I am to be with you. The pastor of that church stopped him and said, sit back down. A man who can't control one little woman is surely not going to preach to my people. You can, go, you can just go back to America. These people are called natives, but they know how to operate their church. The Bible says that a deacon must be faithful in all things, a husband and one wife, ruling his children and his house well. For they say, for they that have used their office as a deacon well, per, for they that have used the office of a deacon will purchase to themselves a good degree and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. First Timothy three thirteen. Deaconship is a good work. The Lord expects a deacon to be example to the people in the church. Hmm. All righty. So he, his wife left him, and his son wasn't saved, so they were stepping down from their position. Well, one stepped down, the other was put down. Interesting. Yeah, I'll go ahead and finish this reading. Now we come to the ministry of health. There's been much confusion about this subject since very little has been taught about it. The New Testament is filled with examples of helps in action. The word helps in Acts 2, 27, 17 speaks of the rope-like cable that sailors used to wrap around the ship during a storm. They used helps undergirding the ship. Mm. 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 Wow. That's, mm. Mm. I'm going to read that again. The New Testament is filled with examples of helps in action. The word helps in Acts 27 and 17 speaks of the rope-like cable that sailors used to wrap around the ship during a storm. They used helps undergirding the ship. The ministry of helps is what God wraps around us to hold us together in our stormy times. Mm. So I, that's, that's wild. Because the storm is raging against the ship, the sailors wrap ropes around the ship to help the ship stay together. Because if not, the storm will pull the ship apart. So that gives you a whole, gives me a whole great understanding of help. So the ministry of helps is where God has ordained and sent people. Wow. 
That explains how Edion just showed up on my doorstep. Who <laughs> Jesus Christ of Nazareth? How God has just put people in position so that you can do that which he's called you to do. So now what does that mean? You got to step out in faith and trust God. You can't allow life to hold you back. What what, what am I trying to say? We we talk about we trust God. and We talk about all the things we need to be doing. Why don't you step out there first and then allow him to keep you up? Because, see, let me tell you about part of the process. Too many of us are waiting for things to be in order. We're waiting for the finances. We're waiting for the everything to be together. And God said, that's not faith. That's why you have to trust God. Because, see, what happens is after you have stepped out in obedience, because, see, he want to know, not only do you need to know, he needs to know, and the devil needs to know. So you got three things going on. Are you going to believe and trust God? Because if you truly believe and trust God, not with just lip service, you step out there in obedience to do what he's called you to do. I got to press my brother. He probably ain't even on the phone now. But he got to go to school. He got to get his butt back in school to get his next degree. He ain't got the money. He got household situations going on. But God says, I need you to be in school so that I can get you to the point where you, well, I need you to be. So now, is he going to pull back and wait? Is he going to trust God? I'm just, I mean, I'm messing with him because that's a perfect example. Because he don't have the money, he don't have his, he got his own health issues going on. But God says, are you going to trust me? So now when he says, okay, Lord, and he begins to go ahead and put the application, see, trust, true trust is, let me go ahead and put the application in. True trust is, I'm going to go ahead and apply, I, I, I got to mess with my daughter now and pray, oh my God, did this Jesus Christ now, has it been a struggle? Yeah. But when she first came in for Christmas break last year, she had attitude. She was mad, me, and everything else. But during that 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 two or three week time that she was here, after we communicated, you know, she was mad about money and this and other. We talked. By the time she left out, she said, "Well, God, I'm going back to school." Because she asked me, "Daddy, what am I going to do?" I said, "You gonna go out to school? You go up going back to school? We'll figure this thing out." And she said, "Well, Lord, I'm going. I don't know." I need twelve thousand dollars. I don't know where it's gonna come from, but Lord, let's go. The whole attitude has changed. I didn't know either. <laughs> you know, but I'm just untrusting God. And so now she went back by the grace of God, we made it. Oh, Jesus Christ and Nazareth. And now she just got the report that she will owe nothing for this semester. But she had to step out. She could have stayed home. I don't know where it's going to come from. I know daddy said go forth. Go forth. The earthly daddy said go forth because the earthly daddy was trusting the heavenly daddy. So what I'm trying to say, you're waiting for the helps to come. No, God says step out first on my word. Then I'll send the helps because, see, it has to be proven that you believe it by actually stepping out on faith. 
then once you step out in faith, then God says, well, well, they are doing it now because it's an action. So now they're walking in faith. And so, but also the enemy said, no, nah, you ain't going to do it because he's opposing you. And they go, oh, really, you are stepping out on it. So that's what I'm talking about, those three things, those three people, those three entities. You, God, and the enemy. You, gotta, you have to do this thing. And once you do that, then the Lord says, now. Nah. So now the enemy is going to attack you. That's the storm that's coming on your life because he's going to try to make you go back home to turn around and say no. But God says, no, since you stepped out on my word, now I'm sending you the ministry of helps to support you as you continue on this journey. Come on now. So what am I trying to tell you, grad students? I ain't talking to babies right now. Get your butt up and begin to do that which God called you to do. Quit procrastinating, making excuses, because you know what? At this level, it's going to come back to bite you in your butt because what's going to happen is you're going to be out of position, and since you're out of position, you're not going to have the full protection of God. Like David would have had more protection on the, in the war than he had on the rooftop. That's how he fell into sin. I'm going to just keep reading. Y'all don't want to hear that. I'm going to just read this one more time. The New Testament is filled with examples of helps and actions. The word helps in Acts 27.17 speaks of the rope-like cable that sailors used to wrap around the ship during a storm. They use helps undergirding the ship. The ministry of helps is what God wraps around us to hold us together in our stormy times. The Bible mentions seven people who ministered in these area helps. For example, there, there is Phoebe in Romans 16.1 and 2. Paul said, I commend you unto Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, that ye receive her in the Lord, for she hath been a succor, helper of many, and of, more, of myself also. Phoebe was a helper. She carried the book of Romans to Rome for Paul at his request. Though she was not a preacher, Phoebe helped to spread the word. Hmm. That means walk in your, uh, walk in your position. You ain't got to strive for everything outside of it. Just walk. It takes a full-time job to fulfill your own position, your own role. You ain't got to worry about trying to do that for somebody else. Lydia was another helper who supported Paul. We find in Acts 16, 14 through 15, how she provided lodging in her home in Philippi for Paul and his group. In the Old Testament, there were two men who held up the arms of Moses during the battle. Exodus 17, 8 and 12. As long as Moses held up his hand, there was victory for the children of Israel. But when he became weary and let his hands fall, the Israelites began to lose. So Aaron and Hur held up Moses' tired arms and this way helped win the victory. They were helpers. Moses could not function without them. No man of God can function without helpers. I'm surrounded with helpers, and when we get to heaven, they may get a bigger reward than I. That will be God's business, not mine. You may ask, why would they get a large reward? Because they have been more faithful in their helping than I have been in my ministry. It was the Lord Jesus who said that if you've given even a drink of water to a prophet, you should receive a prophet's reward for helping. Hmm. Matthew 10, 41-42. There are big stakes involved for being a helper, a helper, an armor bearer. Hmm. 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 Wow. So, let's go to the marketplace. I'm thinking about that right now. Those who supported me, again, like 
Like, why I put certain people on my list? Like, I got a man on my list now because it hadn't been for him last year. <laughs> and and, I, and I'm so thankful because, again, out of my how many, 20, 30 years I've been doing, I've never had a client like him. I put him on the list because, God, I ain't never had a client like him. Had not been for him, I wouldn't have made it. See, he helped support the prophet. He helped support this ministry so that I could do what I need to do so I can get on this phone and holler while I'm getting hit for three and two and thousands of dollars at a time. He just, uh, uh, and wrote a check. I put him on my prayer list because, Lord, thank you. And now that he's in a position of return, his building set up better than mine. And I'm so thankful. I I truly am. He got income, people. I just, I'm so thankful because that's God honoring his word and my request. God sent him into my life. And now because of his help, I'm able to still stand when the enemy has set me up for a fall. Enemy set me up for a fall. But, again, I trusted God and said, let's do this. And now, because I, I, I appreciate it, I put him on a prayer list, and now his building set up better than mine as far as bringing in, uh, bringing in a return. And I'm so thankful because I don't want that man to go through half the hell I'm going through. But I'm just going back again, getting outside of of of, of we got to become more marketplace thinkers. We got to become more outside of the the church structure and begin to recognize your position and where you at. Why are some of you all called gatekeepers for your family? Because he needs you to intercede on behalf of your family, your community. All of us have a part to play. God's going to begin to reveal that to you, and then you just begin to walk in it. Okay. It was the Lord Jesus said that if you give even a drink of water to a prophet, you should receive a prophet's reward for helping. The Matthew ten forty one through forty two. There are big stakes involved for being a helper. The secretaries in my office are helpers. The person who runs our printing press is a helper. Without these helpers, I will be unable to minister. Through our television outreach, one lesson will be broadcast to perhaps seven million people. It cannot be done without the help of the cameraman and all the technicians. They are helpers. All those who supported Paul's ministry financially or otherwise were helpers. When King David went out to defeat the enemy, there went before him a, stand, a standard bearer who carried a shield. That person was a helper. He may have not even been a strong man, but all he was required to do was carry that shield. He was a helper, and that ministry is important. So what is that saying? That you can't belittle them, and matter of fact, a lot of times you need to build them up. Mm, wow. I'm going to mess with Dre because he has a, a typical business situation more structured than mine. Well, mine's a little bit structured. But anyway, he got people around him who, you know, are nurses and things of that nature who are there to support him. Well, you know what? A lot of times, to be real with you, we need support, but they need even more support. So that means going to family. I'm just jumping on everybody today. That means going to Fannie Marie, you got to get out of sight of yourself to, yeah, to minister to somebody because, yeah, you might be feeling like crap on a stick, 
But at least you got the capabilities of the connection to bring you out. They don't even know how. So they'll go feeling like crap on the stick, and then they'll take that out on whomever else is around them, or even in that particular thing which you need them to do. So let me see if I got this right. They don't have the capabilities because they don't have the understanding, the connections, or the position and God that you have. So now they're feeling in a crappy mood or they're broken because a lot of times they are, well, hell, if we're broken, you know they're broken. I ain't trying to be the same. only difference is because we're getting teaching. Come on now, we just talked about teaching. We're getting teaching because, see, a lot of times they don't even want to recognize they're broken. I got to mess with my helper now. He, he don't even recognize that he's broken because he's so stuck in what he knows. But the spirit that's within him is beginning to re- receive those things that I give him and is transitioning him. He don't even see it. I laugh. But at times I want to say something so often, and I just don't, by the grace and mercy of God. But I see transitions happening in his life. So what am I trying to say? I, My job, even though he's my helper, I still need to build him up so he can walk in his position because his position affects my outcome. Because if he's in, not in the best position, he can't do an excellent job, which bottom line affects me and affects what I'm doing, affects what I'm called to do. So this is why the word of God is saying every joint supplies one another, why you can't get caught up in yourself. And something else, I'm going to say this and I'm going to keep reading. A lot of times when you go ahead and step outside of yourself to help someone else, you don't even recognize that you're actually helping yourself and you even feel better. A lot of times after the fact. Okay. Though God has appointed only a few apostles and prophets, he has thousands of helpers. These helpers are very important to God, and they have the reward in heaven. There are many bricks in the brick wall, and we cannot tell which is the most important. Each brick contributes to the strength of the whole wall. That is the function of a helper. The work of the Lord must have helpers. Anytime we downgrade such helps, we are in danger of failure. Help is a ministry that was placed in the church by God. As you study the whole of the Bible, you will see that all these helps are necessary. You can even go a step further and say that the giving of the tithe is a help. All of us are helpers in one way or another. Though the widow gives only 3 or $4 and the business gives $100, both are helpers. One is just as important as the other. There's one particular family at church that is always asking for names of people they can visit in the hospital. They're helpers, and God loves helpers. God has placed helpers in the church, and we must keep them there. Again, everybody has a position. <clears throat> governments. In the 1 Corinthians 12, 28, the Greek word for governments is kubernesis, meaning to steer to guide. The word governance means a steering committee. It has no reference to power or to ruling. Those who possess knowledge to steer a church and guide it around its problems become the governments of that church, like a board of directors, council, those in position of, of, of who've gone through some things and connections and stuff like that. Within a church, within a church, there are many kinds of operations, all kinds of groups and committees. To build a new building, you need to choose. You need to choose a building committee. <laughs> Be a building committee has gone on for twenty-five years. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me keep reading. This is an example of a church government. You may ask, why does God want all this? Because He wants order. For everything to run smoothly, there must be organization. 
God wants church government to be well-oiled within the Holy Spirit. This means that the mature men and women can bless the church by being set aside to do certain things within the church, to operate the church in the way it ought to be operated. These nine offices of ministry that God has set in the church have a purpose. All are necessary for a well-ordered church, and in the last days, each of us has a place in the church. We should ask ourselves every day, what can I do to fit more perfectly into the divine pattern that God has planned for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Each of us has a place in God's church, a job to fulfill. The Lord is waiting for us to move into our niches and do our best for him. And that is our lesson for today. All right. Oh, boy. Questions, comments, criticism, conclusions. All right. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good with something, Nanny. Uh, it looks like the weather's trying to make up its mind what it's going to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's going to rain or what out there. Exactly. Ah. Hello. What you just said is brought me back to the thought of where Jesus knew his position and his biggest position was to stay humble. For where when people think you see it for when people think that they made it or either they have a high title position. And they wind up turning it about themselves instead of looking to help the one, instead of looking to help the, the one who has the very least. And we're supposed to love each other unconditionally. And it doesn't how much it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you make, and it doesn't matter how much money you don't have or you don't make. We are all here to uplift each other. And while when we get so full of self that we feel like we're too good to lift up somebody, okay, so why in the world are we getting mad when God, don't, don't, don't elevate us up to that next level. In order to go up the stairs, you got to lift up a foot. If you don't want to lift up that foot or help somebody else lift up a foot, you can't go up further up the stairs. You stuck on that stairs. So if you see something, see see something going on, and you can pick up somebody to keep them out of harm's way, then do so. There's a lot of blessings connected to us that's uplifting others. But if we don't see a monetary, hear a monetary thing in it, then we usually just don't like, well, 
I ain't getting nothing out of it. What's that to me? It can be a whole lot, but as I said, you don't get tied up in our interpretations or understanding. Just have faith and walk out of it. Because this may be a surprise. It just may be something on it for here. It'll surprise us so much that we won't. You know that it will be that we will be overwhelmed. But we still gotta go through the through the steps of order in order to in order to make it. Not because of our feelings. Or what position we feel that we should be in, but what's there for us already? It's almost like a person. Okay, uh, they have they have millions upon millions, but they chose to go out and steal. And once they get caught, oh, I got money to pay my way out. Okay, now the bounty just went up even super high. When you're guilty and you just did something that you know was against what you're supposed to be doing or knew that it was a no-no for what you believed in, but you think you have enough money to buy yourself out. Truth prevails. And your money wasn't enough to get you anywhere but where you needed to be. But seeing the consequences of what you did. Now, when your mind and your heart change in the right direction, then you start seeing that you can be elevated and released into something better. But if you still stay in that pool of thinking, thinking, it's going to always be a harder struggle. So I would say for us to stay, uh, to stay humble as much as possible. Comments, criticism. The one thing that you said, um, you know, when you recognize something needs to be done, just do it. So we just need to go mm-hmm. ahead and do things. I mean, always always seek the counsel and leadership of the Holy Spirit. But you know, a lot of times you just address the situation and, and you're doing it because God has called you to do it, not because you're looking for recognition, not because you're looking for money, but you just right. recognize it needs to be done. Right. All right. Anybody else? Ah. Anybody else going once? Anybody else going twice? Anybody else going three times? Look it up. All right. Prayer list and um, 
which is it on the table? And all this other crap. Courtney Collins Brandon. Push-get-a-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she-da-go-say-she
Okay, we got Ashley Whitney, Sherry Pat. Stephanie, 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Gracias. 
Bell worship is Yindus, Guru Gosi, Shuko, Sandraka, Sakura. Krakow, Yikan, Rose, Guru Gosi, Shuko, Sandraka, Sakura. Satanic after school program, Haas, Yikan, Rose, Gosaka, Sakura. Coven, Boski, Gosi, Shuko, Sandraka, Sakura. Which you put in the car, the Minnesota house. Deacon Roscoe to go see Sigos from Draca, Sakura. Alrighty then. Walking in the realm of supernatural. Yonder to go see Sigos, 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 Sakura. Financial breakthroughs and turnarounds, rumbles, to get a fish, to get a saga, sakra. Renewing of our minds, you rumbles, to get a fish, to get a sakra. Renewing of our youth, push, to get a fish, to get a saga, sakra. Praying for our youth, push, to get a fish, to get a fish, to get a sakra. Supernatural, superhuman strength, push, to get a fish, to get a fish, to get a sakra. Um, supernatural superhuman strength. Then I'm honoring you, praying for you. I'm honoring you, praying for you. I'm not sure. And I'm going to say that's it. That's all. All
Doing a great work in me. 
Okay, I'll step up to the mic first. Okay. Look at move, 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 move. Get out the way. Get out the way. Get out the way. All right, you got a decree. You want to do prayer requests? Which one you want? Let's do my decree first. All right. Okay. 
my decree for Renee Tolan on June 26, 2018. <laughs> Le bosche de cardigata para cosha da 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 paradiri cosh papa papa cashidi de papa papa and to know the love of Christ. Okay. And for Renee to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that I might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that worketh in Renee. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. All right, let me lift up Renee. Her condo to go say she the Gomboskir Gandan, the good day to Gomboskir Gandra, to the Gosation, this to the Gomboskir the Gomboskir Gandraka. Renee, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Nothing can stop you. Going back to what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about a foundation, if you will continually seek God regarding his word and begin to build your life upon that, then you're building your life upon the word of God. Nothing can stop the word of God, so nothing can stop you. Continue to let him transition you into whom he is calling and forming you to be as you walk towards the finished work of Christ in your life you will begin to grow and increase to become the fullness to be the ambassador that he is chosen and that he is chosen to lead his people 
is his work. So seek him and trust him regarding his work. You are a vessel. You are a creature, not the creator. Let him finish that which he started in life. You will be blessed and many others will be blessed because of such. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, who's next? All right, going once, going twice. All right, let me get my decree. Try to give me a second now. Okay, all right, my decree. But I shall remember Samuel C. Father the second. Shall remember higher the Kodeshka the Kumboska the Kandaska the Kosedi the Kumboska the Kandaka and this Kodokoboko Sandraska the Gede. I shall remember that is the Lord Maga higher the Kosedi the Kandaska. It is my guy that gave me, Samuel C. Father the second, Harumboska the Cassandra, the Kumbaska, the power to get well. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to the Father, my forefathers, as it is this day, God will fulfill his word in my life, as he's causing men to give into my bosom, men will go out of their way to sow into my life, situations, circumstances will line up, so he will shift me from being the tail to the head, from the barrel to the linen. This could have go, this could go, everything is positioned. And God is moving in that way. Arena, should have in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay, though. All right, anybody else? Check my phone. 
Okay, I don't see nobody on here. Going once. Going twice. Going three times. Okay, let me put this in the dryer. Put that in the washer. All right, nobody else got anything. We're getting off the phone. All right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Have a blessing.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.